0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Zentegra iGel weekly podcast. This is episode 50. Uh, I am going to be your host today, filling in for Andy Whiteside. My name is Patrick Toner, and I am joined by Sebastian Parasat from iGel. Seb, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing quite well. Um, I mean, I wanted to start some firework, but I didn't have the chance to prepare it because, yeah, number 50 is something really special. I'm happy that it's a community one. Thank you for that. Thank you for having me there.
0: I would be very impressed if you could do fireworks uh via the podcast. That would that would be an impressive uh display there. But uh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll do, you know, get to a hundred. Maybe we'll do a firework presentation. I think that would be a good uh good way to kick that one off. But uh but yeah, you know, it's uh tonight we're just talking about the weather. It's nice and uh moderate where, where we both live. Uh we had to do some conversions uh from Fahrenheit to Celsius so we could understand each other there, but uh, we're both about 70 degrees uh, Fahrenheit, which is nice. Uh, how's everything going, so' How's everything uh, going over there?
1: Oh, oh, pretty good at the moment. I mean, we have springtime also here in, uh, in Germany, but it's getting... I mean, in Germany, you always complain about the weather. So if it's too cold, it's too cold. If it's rainy, you would have want to get more sun. If you have more sun, you want to get more rain. So I'm not complaining. We have about... 29 degrees at the moment, which is apparently about 85 uh, Fahrenheit. And no, it's pretty warm, but it's definitely definitely more than okay. I mean, I kind of complain. We have workers over there in the garden who are working for, for so they're making a little bit of noise. If you ask any white side, we're really at the situation where I made the podcast from my car because uh, we had worked in the house. This period is done now, so we are covering the garden at the moment. So pretty happy about that.
0: There you go. I got it. The only thing to complain about this time of year is allergies. You know, I'm just, uh, but I just load up on the Zyrtec and I'm good. No, no issues there. But uh, anyway, so we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, a pretty interesting topic today. One that um, is always, you know, I've had many discussions with lots of different customers on this topic, um, and that's buddy update. So, you know, before just a little kind of background, before I joined Igel, um, I worked in healthcare and. One of the things that I managed was SCCM, and they had a a feature, still have a feature, uh, called branch caching, which essentially would allow for devices to kind of become little firmware repositories. I'm pushing out Windows updates. I'm pushing out large applications. Um, I'd be able to use certain devices. They'd be able to basically... Uh, download files from each other rather than every file, every device going back home and downloading a large file from the data center or wherever your server's living. Um, so in iGel terminology, uh, there's a very similar feature, basically almost the same thing, uh, called Buddy Update. And um, and Seb Seb did a great uh, you know article and video on this feature. So we're going to walk through that together. Talk about when you might want to use it, how to use it. Uh, we'll kind of show the video. Um, Seb, anything to add before we jump
1: in? No, it's a really perfect introduction already. I would maybe just add one one small side that I would like to share with you guys. The actual Alex OS 1107 110 firmware is now hitting not exactly, but a little bit less than three gigabytes. Mm. That's an information I would like to share because let's imagine that you have what Patrick just mentioned. You have branch office and you have, I would say, maybe just 10 devices over there. In the standard approach, you would have to transfer 10 times three gigabytes, a little bit less, but still approximately three gigabytes. If you didn't change something on the feature set, we'll cover today how to leverage that bandwidth usage. And I mean, even if I cannot hear that term anymore, which is agile, uh, we'll try to be a little bit more agile on the firmware update procedure.
0: Yeah, and it's a great point, right? That, that... The firmware, it's kind of, it's the blessing and the curse of the Agile Ready program, right? There's so many great partnerships. There's so many great utilities being built into the Agile operating system. That's obviously the approach to date. That's always been the approach, right? Build everything into the OS. May or may not be changing uh, in the future. But I don't know if I'm at liberty to speculate on that. Uh, but at least for now, in the foreseeable future, um, the, you know, because there's more agents, there's more integrations that it used to be under two gigs. Now we're nearing the three gig mark, and so we want to make sure that you know if you're an Agile admin or uh, more potential Agile admin, or you're, you're considering um, you know Agile for your company, um, this is a great feature that can help you to uh, plan for this and to offload some of that um, overhead of the devices just downloading massive files, you know, three gigs in size. Um, so yeah, so let's go ahead. I'm going to share this thing out.
1: Um, Perfect. Just during your, uh, your sharing process, um, it's exactly right what patrick just mentioned. I mean, if you think about the Agile OS, a couple of years ago where we had the only point where we had three different versions of a specific software inside of our Agile OS was Citrix Workspace app. In former time, Citrix was zero. Just because we said that specific Citrix Workspace app works better in specific behavior uh, so we said we always spend three different versions per default in our operating system. Now we have Zoom VDI plugins. Now we have Cisco JVDI plugins. Now we have Webex. We have so much different components who are working good in a specific combination, but not if you are using a newer version on that side, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And that's where that the point where we are at the moment. We have to cover every use case in one firmware. And just because Patrick mentioned it, we cannot speculate at the moment, but I can share that. It might change in the future. I would state it this way.
0: Very good. It's very, very uh it's a, it's a politician answer right there. It may change in the future. Um, you know, so can you see my screen okay? The agile community. Yes, it okay. is very good. So so yeah, I mean, um, so let's kick it off. I'm I'm gonna we kind of explain what the feature is. I'm gonna start playing it. I'll mute the sound here so we're not uh, you know, getting anything. But but you know, you're gonna you're gonna basically walk through here how to configure this. Well, let's talk about, um, you know, some things that people might want to consider. Right. Um, where, where is this a fit said? What, you know, I'm thinking in my mind, what if I have multiple branches? Um, what if some of them, you know, in the U.S., there's some places, especially in rural America where, you know, you might have locations in those areas um, and you have very low bandwidth. Uh, but what are, what are some some of those, you know, that come to come to mind to you when you think about this feature?
1: Um, that's. I would say the main goal of uh, of the process that we leverage the bandwidth to usage, but also make it more and more performant. For one one simple approach, obviously you can, as a CCM is doing it, create a local mirror of uh, your Agile related firmware in the location. So we are not covering it right now in the in the video, but you can, if you would like, use a, an external HTTPS or SFTPS or a Samba share to deliver the uh, updates to your branch office if it's already a server over there. But sometimes you don't have a server over there, or sometimes you you are not able to administer that that server because it's another department or maybe another network branch. So that's the reason why we said it might be a great idea to have an automatism somewhere in our operating system that says we don't want to push the update to five 10 devices so 10 multiplied by 3 gigabytes but really sending it out to maybe just one device and the other devices will get the update from the master one and that's where we are already speaking about the topology because if you think about the approach to deploy that 10 times you will use bandwidth it would make the update slower you would also have the risk that if something is happening on the network side i mean we're delivering already a lot of recovery procedures and usually if the donor cannot be fulfilled the device should be still functional but we all know that if you're doing the update, i mean the same on my side something will break just because you're unlucky you have this little rainy uh, rainy cloud over your head and that's obviously mostly on my side and the device is not recoverable or on the other hand you have users who are working on the in the location and if you push the update, what Patrick just mentioned, they cannot work anymore because yeah, they have no bandwidth left. And that's where the body update, that's our name for that product, for that feature, is coming in. We are choosing one or N devices in the location. That's a manual process that we'll cover in a second. Update that device and then tell the other nine device of 10 to take over the update, not from the UMS, not from a public HTTPS, SFTPs server anymore, but from the master. That helps on one hand to keep the update amount so the data, which is transferred quite low because you just transferred maybe one time if you have just one master or five times if you have five master. But then you can deploy to 200, 300 devices on site without having the need to change anything. That's what Patrick is showing in, uh, in the, on the video side. That's a topology about how to um, set the proper expectation. There was a small hint in the buddy update topology, which is extremely important because that might be a question that come up uh, from, from you guys. Can I choose something else than FTP? Because that's what the little topology is showing. We'll cover that in a second.
0: So, 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 so Seb, just to just to just to kind of pause for a second, right? So, please, you know, just at a real simple level, somebody somebody's looking at this, they're going, yeah, maybe not quite grasping, you know, the concept (laughs) here. Let's say you have, you know, just just so we're understanding this correctly, let's say you have a a random branch in your company, you know, it's out in the middle of nowhere, it's got really slow internet connection, not really no options to update to a very fast bandwidth, and you know, you, want, you have 100 devices there. So rather than 100 devices having to download three gigabytes from your UMS server, only one device would have to download 100, or three gigabytes from your UMS server. And then the other 99 can download from the one buddy update server on, on-prem. Do I have that right? Absolutely right. So, so it's a very great feature. And I, I would say it's, it's probably one of the more underused features um, out there and maybe it's just because, you know, bandwidth is generally pretty good on, on a lot of my customers I talk to on their network. Um, but you do have these, these instances and, you know, you talk to people where they just, you know, especially a type of business where you have a lot of different um, customer facing branches, you know, maybe it's in banking, maybe, um, maybe you're, you know, in some sort of industry where you have a lot of uh, customer kiosks, you know, people checking out, um, you know, if you have them, the more real estate you have the more buildings you own, you um, the more of a chance is you're probably going to want to use this feature because you're you're probably going to have instances uh, where you, you have sites with low bandwidth. And if you're going to do it for all of them, or some of them, you might as well do it for all of them. Would you agree, Seth?
1: Absolutely. Nothing to add, to be honest. It's the exact uh, description of uh, the general use case for that. Perfect.
0: Yeah, so I'll, I'll let you kind of go ahead. So here's, now Please. you're in the UMS and you're creating the profile. So let's, right. let's walk through this.
1: And that's, by the way... Uh, something that I would recommend to really keep uh, the order that I'm using for the video. Why that? We are already covering the use case a little bit deeper. So just saying that we have to cover a specific order in how to use the body the body master. So from the term itself, the body master is the device, which will get updated by the UMS and will hold the update information for all the other clients on the network. So we have to enable that feature first. That's the reason why I'm creating a profile. Where on the system, update, firmware update, you have another feature which is called body update. And that's where you define that this device will hold the information. So you you have to enable the enable update server first. And then if needed, you can also add a username and password. What does that mean? It means that every client, so in our pronunciation it's called body slaves, who are asking for an update from the body master will have to fulfill a username and password to get them. If you don't enter something, the standard approach is to use the anonymous approach. That means that there was no additional authentication needed. The additional thing that I would like to share with you is the max, the max concurrent logins. What does that mean? You have 20 devices in the location. And you said the devices should get their update on shutdown. And you have a job which shut down the devices every night at eight o'clock. They'll try at the same time to download the update from your body master. Just keep in mind that a data transfer is still quite demanding on memory. And basically, if you are using FTP, sometimes also the CPU. So 20 devices downloading the same files at the same moment can call the body master depending from the hardware, to fail. And that's a point where I'm always telling, don't use 10 or 20 devices from one body master. You can limit the amount of devices which are taking over that feature. And I would say, in average, I'm feeling pretty good about five to eight, to be honest, that's an average value. Then what I'm coming in the video is the order. I'm first assigning the body master role and then assigning an update. Why that? The device can only keep the information about the update if the body master role was assigned before starting. So that's the reason why I first created the profile, first assigned it to the body master, then assigned the firmware update, and then started the update process itself. And that's something which I would say it's the most common error that users are doing. They're first updating the device or just assigning the profile with the body master, but never send an update afterwards. That means that the FTP folder, the FTP server, which is holding the information, is empty because it needs to get the update and then get updated to do that. So even if it's the same firmware, no matter if you had the 11.07, 110 on the device and you want to update and you want to enable the body master feature, no big deal. Assign the profile, assign the firmware, and even if it's already the same firmware, just do the update again.
0: So so what you're saying there, just so, just so we're clear, if let's say you, you've identified which server you want to be your, your buddy update server at your branch or your location. And it's already running the newest firmware. You can't just assign a profile saying you're the buddy update because once it becomes the buddy update server, you actually have to push a firmware in order for it to store the firmware. In Absolutely, a firmware. is that right? So yeah, it's very important to get exactly that in, right. in order. You know, and I've seen that as well. Right? You kind of. Um, you know, and, and it's and logically, you really may not think that through all the way, but it, but you know it, it. You know, you just think, oh, this is the update server, but now you have to push the update to it so that it's there, right? It's, it's kind of a yeah. crucial step, and you need to do it in order.
1: Absolutely. So that's, I mean, I will cover the the debugging steps in a second, but that's something that I cannot mention enough because it will stand and fail in every time. So even if you're thinking then about your update strategy. You have to think about which devices should get the updated to which time. Never forget that your body master is a masterpiece in your configuration for the, body, for the body updates. Now that we covered the body master side, we are now covering the body slave side. So we are doing now exactly the same step as from the body master, but on the update side. So the system update firmware update, where you would usually enter your um, update informations. You have to choose a specific protocol. And that's what I told you at the beginning. We're speaking of the FTP protocol, not because it's the only one available on OS but the only one available for the update platform. So even if HTTPS and FTPS or SFTP would be better, no question, we, we already had the discussion and we might expect a change in the near future. But for the moment, only FTP is allowed. and. I know that a couple of our listeners are not able to use FTP because of the security uh, audits or security, um say security issues. I must say that at the moment, the only way to deliver such kind of uh, body slave uh, behavior, I just can't say. If you would like to add another level of uh, security, I would definitely think of using uh, an FTP authentication. I know it's not encrypted but uh, let's say it's the less non-secure way to to deliver the the update. And just remember that even if your device is non-secure from the FTP side, what should happen? I mean, all our uh, partitions are signed. So even if someone would try to change the update file themselves, it would fail because we would check the signature of the partitions. So uh, in my opinion, at least, the risk is pretty limited. Yeah, it's a great point.
0: Great point. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it, you know, because of some of the other checks you have in place, you know, this is going to be more for functionality. Obviously, you know, if you, if you're in a, if you're in a, a, a situation that we were describing, you know, you need to get that firmware update. It's probably less secure to keep the device, uh, the devices out of firmware compliance, right. You know, to keep them on an old old version, you have different things to come out. You have all these different applications, whether it's your browser, your Citrus workspace app that have security fixes and, So, you know, it's kind of like one of those things, the risk of not doing it is higher than, you know, getting those devices updated. Exactly. Um, So so, would
1: you just just do me a small favor, but could you go uh, about 30 seconds back to the uh, profile setting? Perfect, because the video was a little bit too fast for uh, for my explanation. Um, One extremely important uh, setting in that window if the username Patrick we just discussed, but also this small checkbox at the bottom of the of the profile, which is called automatic body detection. If you could just pause for a second, Patrick. Sure. I just would like to, uh, to explain what happened there. You're not obliged to set the body detection, but it's extremely handy. Why that? I will go a step backwards on the topology and what I would consider if you're using the uh, body update. The body master will stay there in his network segment and will start an FTP server, which from a security perspective we already discussed, is not perfect, but it's, yeah, it's it's one approach. But at the same time, you have your body slaves who could be in another network segment or maybe another VLAN, which is not meant to be used this way. I'm explaining what I mean. The, Body slave has to be in the same network segment, the same virtual LAN as the body master. Now you may ask why that? Because it doesn't make sense. I have 100 VLANs in my my location. I would have to define one body master per VLAN. Yes. The reason is let's imagine that you have a distributed LAN with MPLS. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but that's how uh, it's it's virtual LAN over, over DSL. Let's call it this way. It's an extreme small explanation for extreme complex product. But you have different VLANs, which can be um, one in Chicago, the other one in New York. So the body slave will start a broadcast in the network and will see, oh, have a body master. That's the first one who we'll answer. But this one could be in New York and I'm in Chicago. That's the reason why we said no. We always keep the request of the UDP broadcast that we are using for the automatic detection in one specific LAN segment. So let's imagine you're in 192.168.1.0. It will just search in that specific area. So if your body slave is in 2.0, it will not be able to find the other body master. It's not an error. It's not a bug. It's on purpose because we want to keep the body master and the body state in the same network location to avoid some bandwidth outage.
0: Yeah, and I, it, you know, to that point, Seb, I think it's worth mentioning, right? Um, that this this is not gonna be uh it's not it's not the the right solution maybe for everyone, right? I mean there's there's gonna be some customers that are gonna have that, right? I have all these VLANs at every location. And you might say, okay, well, may, you know, I mean, the beauty of the agile S is there's there's a lot of flexibility in it. Um, you can, you know, for example, you know, people who, have, who use Igel Cloud Gateway, um, well, you know, they have to have firmware repositories that are external facing um, in order to, to pull that down. So a lot, of, a lot of customers I talk to, they'll either use something like, you know, Citrix Sharefile or Amazon or Azure, you know, and they'll create a public um, facing repository. They could use an F- SFTP server or whatever, And for that, for the customer you just described, that maybe they need to, they maybe need to take that approach, right? Maybe they have, you know, an actual SFTP server in place, um, where all the VLANs can hit it, but the the built-in functionality is, is is really, it's going to, it's basically there. Number one, the the thin client is the, is the update server, right? So you're not talking about a server. You're talking about a, not, not a, uh, robust device, um, you know, so it's designed in a way, specific VLAN, right? All the devices that are within my proximity that can, can can connect with me, they're the devices that are there that can update. Did I explain that correctly? I think that's...
1: It's, yep, yeah, just perfect again. It's, so it's exactly what it was meant for and what I was trying to explain in my English.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, so I think that's, you know, ultimately that's that's the thing, right? I mean, this is, this is a great feature, um, you know, it, it, as long as you don't have an ultra complex network. I mean, it's really, it's a simple solution. Um, it's, you know, to, to your point, maybe not the most, it's not a perfect solution for everybody, but you no, know, if, if you do have, you know, in your different branches, in your different locations, um, devices that are on the same, uh, subnet on the same VLAN, they can, they're on the same, you know, uh, they can connect, they can, they can communicate with each other. This is a great solution to limit your bandwidth. However, yep. you got to have this checked here. This automatic buddy detection.
1: It just helps. I mean, obviously, you can you can specify in server name uh, whatever body master you like. So if you would have, in theory, two different VLANs in, in your location, and the first VLAN is where your body master is, and the second one is where your body slaves are. Even if the automatic body detection is not working there, because we didn't mean to design the solution like that, you can still specify in server name the IP address of so your body master. It makes it less agile, because let's imagine that you have a DHCP lease. the DHCP DHCP lease address is changing from the body master, then you would have to adapt your profile. But hey, if you do a reservation and then add the IP address or the host name, maybe in the server name, then you don't need automatic body detection. But I just wanted to mention it because in a perfect world, in an agile world, I would say automatic body detection should fulfill 90% of our use cases. And just because we had uh, this discussion a couple of seconds ago, what happens if it doesn't work? We already covered that from the profile perspective, but now from the endpoint perspective, if you just can go, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds later, we should see a command line on the endpoint. So obviously it's not something that a little bit more than, yeah, perfect. So obviously it's not meant to, to be used on every update. It's just meant to be used for checking if your communication is doing well. So the command idle update, body update server scan, will perform the UDP broadcast in the network, will check if there was a body master and will try to retrieve the information from there. So if you see then, that's what you are seeing in the video, an IP coming back, you should just double check that it's really the body master you were thinking of. If you have multiple ones, it might differ obviously, but then you're good to go. You, uh, that means that, this, that the body slave is able to communicate with the body master.
0: No, I'm and always blown away, like, Sam, so total, yep. total side topic here on that note, how many like just extremely useful commands are built into the IGEL operating system? You know, like like that that one right there where you have, you know, uh, well, let me go back to it. It was, uh, let me get the exact wording correct here. Uh, yeah. IGEL underscore buddy underscore update underscore server underscore scan and it's going to scan and say hey is there a buddy update when I think about pro port another one that's just so nice to check hey can I yeah, access yeah. a device over a certain port um, question for you and this is really uh, I don't I actually don't know the answer to this is there a public facing document um, that has some of those
1: commands uh, in the agile yeah. community a really good point thanks for asking yes That's a short answer. (laughs) The long answer is um, I must give the credits to the person who created initially. So I have to be absolutely 100 percent honest. Um, A document like this was created, I would say, 10 years ago by a former agent, which was called Michael Hotting from, from Germany. Uh, who then left Agile and he's doing now an absolutely different story. And I said, I don't know, three or four years ago, hey, why not uh, reusing that document and adding new features, checking if the features are still there? Long story, short answer now. Yes, there is. It's called the Agile Linux Command Sheet, sheet like sheeting and sheet like an extra sheet. And you can access on the agilecommunity.com on Slack or just PM me and I will be more than happy to send you out the link. So yes, there is a list. It's just a small list of an extreme long list of comments, we really focus on what might be interesting for the audience some are really agile related to specific parts of a script so binary which is just meant to be used as a part of a bigger script we didn't cover them, but mostly really the command line which might be interesting for the audience.
0: yeah, great great you know great thanks for answering that you know I, I had that I had that cheat sheet um, you know it's kind of made its ways around the inner. IGEL SE circles, but yeah, <laughs> um, I wasn't sure if it was public facing. And it's a great document. So if you're an IGEL administrator, you need that document. It's going to give you a lot of useful commands you can run from the terminal. Anyway, back back Perfect. to the main topic here, back to Buddy Update.
1: Yeah. So what I covered just a couple of, uh, of seconds later is when we think about debugging um, the, the process, we already covered the, the command from the command line. One thing that I would like to mention, because it it can be misleading, is if you go back to the to our main topology window in your head, uh, we had the discussion where we had the body master delivering updates to the body slaves. Thank you, Patrick. For that specific behavior, we needed to assign an update component to the body update and our profile. But that can also be an issue, why? Let's imagine that in the same folder where you have your body master and your body slaves, you assigned the universal firmware update file to the folder, not to the body master. Something extremely dumb will will happen. The universal firmware update, even if it is assigned to the folder, will override a profile that you assigned to a device. Honestly, I would, I would be happy to say it's logical and it's good this way, but it isn't. It just doesn't make sense at all. I mean, from an idea perspective, it make, make sense, but usually if you assign something to the folder and not to the device, and you have a concurrent setting on the device side, of your profile, the profile on the device side will win. And that specific case, no. So if you have the feeling that your device is still downloading the update from the UMS, it is yeah. highly possible that you assign a firmware update to the folder. Easy way to check. Take the device, right-click the device in UMS, go to edit configuration, go again to system, go again to update, go again to firmware update, and double check, please, if there is a setting, which is presetting the firmware update folder. Um, it was somewhere at the end, uh, Patrick. I don't know if you can maybe switch to, I don't know, uh, the last three or four minutes, just to show where, where we are. Yeah, looks good. So that's where you're seeing the information that we we're just referring to.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably worth repeating right the 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 buddy update profile has to be applied to the buddy update server directly not in the not in the directory it lives in not in any of that it's got to be directly applied and if it's not directly applied you're going to have issues with the process and your devices could potentially still cause network traffic issues if they're going back to UMS
1: exactly very important So that's, I mean, there is obviously a way more things to debug, but from a pure experience point of view, if you assign the master profile, then the update, then started the update on the body master. You checked with agile body update server scan that the device, the slave can contact the master. You should already be pretty good. If you then check that no indirect assigned universal firmware update objects is trying to take over the role, honestly, then you have still the possibility that something on the network is blocking the access, but that's something that you can easily check then with your network tool, like practically mentioned with proport, with NC, with Ping, etc. just to check that you're able to access. But honestly, that's less than 2 or 3% of my customers. So that's... Basically, it. I mean, we don't have so much uh, new information. We're getting buddy updates, um, but like I said, we might expect a change in the near future regarding the protocols. But at the moment, that's what we have.
0: Got it. Well, no, I think I think this is a great overview, and I think um, this is one of those features that, like I said, a lot of people I talk to they don't use it or they don't know it exists. Uh, it's kind of viewed maybe more in a way, it kind of is a legacy feature. It's been around a long time, um, yeah. you know. And as you know, bandwidth has gotten better and better maybe there's less of a reason to rely on it. But look, I mean, we're all, we all, anyone who's managed any type of network or devices, you know, you're always going to have this. You're always going to have, unless you're, all of your, you know, facilities are in a, in a city that are, you know, high bandwidth, you probably want to consider something like this. So I think it's a great feature. And I, you know, appreciate this video walking through it. Um, you know, and uh, where. are where can somebody? Do you, is there a guide on this too, or is this is this just the only place um, you know where this information lives? Seb, do you, do you know of any? Uh, I mean, we
1: seeing... have already in the in the video itself, in the in the comment section, we have the uh, knowledge base articles, and that's I would say one of the first things that I would like to, to point out because uh, I didn't reinvent the wheel. Um, I was not the uh, the person who developed that feature, um, so. I took over the KB articles, who are already covering most of the questions coming up regarding the feature. So, what Bernd is just showing in the video is exactly what I'm referring to. Uh, not every debug step that I just mentioned is described there, so we have a little gap between the written and the in the video form. But that's also the reason why we are taking over the Tech Tip Tuesday videos just to fill the gaps between a pure written form and a spoken form about a specific topic.
0: Yeah, it's great. You know, I see that there's links to all the KB articles, and you know, and you know, to be honest, I mean, there's there's always value. There's always times where you're like, yeah, I just want to be quiet and and read, you know, a manual and figure this out. Yep. But Then there's also times. I mean, you know for me, I'm more visual in my learning. Um, seeing somebody do it, it just you know, it just retains better. So it's great that you do these. Um, so so people can have kind of both available to them.
1: That's all the feedback. Thank you, Patrick.
0: Yeah. All right. What's up? You know, I appreciate this. Um. You know, I think we kind of covered the the topic here. Hopefully uh, the listeners, anyone who's listening, uh, you, you got something out of this. Um, yeah, give it a shot. You know, if you're if you an agile admin, you know, and, and you, you want to kick tires on this, uh, it, you don't have to have any special licensing or anything like that. It already exists. Right. Um, you know, it's worth, uh, worth checking it out, seeing if it maybe is a solution for you. Um, you know, so and I guess we can kind of wrap up here, Seb. I think, um, you know, uh, episode 50, uh, minus the fireworks, it was a pretty good topic. And uh, and I just appreciate your time on this and and for putting this out. And uh, you know, for everybody listening, thank you for uh, taking the time. Seb, any closing thoughts?
1: Just a big thank you to Accentegra again for keeping the podcast up. And I'm really looking forward for the number 51 and 52 because I'm pretty sure that we'll have another great topic to cover there.
0: Very good. Very good. A little teaser to end it. I'm looking forward to 100. I'm really looking forward to those fireworks.
1: That too. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys, okay. everybody. And um, have a great, have a great day.
1: Have a good week. See you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.